podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouser Tommy's with me, Jim Boardman, and as always, Jay Reed. This one being recorded in one of these like never-ending gaps in seasons that we seem to get these days. This time, it's because of an international break rather than um, somebody dying. So it's it's irritating if you're a fo- if you're a club football fan, but no doubt exciting if you're an international fan. And I don't know about you, Jay, but for me, I mean, internationals are okay when they're on. It's like something to watch if there's nothing else on the telly, but. You know, it doesn't doesn't come close to club football, does it? Or does it? Nah, not really. Um, I mean, <laughs> the only time internationals are sort of fun, I guess, is when like you get the World Cup and you get, you know, the the old cliche clash of styles or whatever, and you get like a, a South American Latin American team versus maybe an African or a European or something, and get these you know crazy games where scores can be a bit mental. You'll discover players you've never heard of before um, but this European Nations League crap that they've tracked out it's just they're trying to you know make it relevant but they're just not um, I think it's well documented how little international football means to a lot of local Liverpool fans and all about those worldwide other people different parts of the world they're obviously passionate or less passionate about the countries. Um, but yeah, for locals, it it just seems to be a distraction more than anything, and something where you sit on your hands and you kind of hope and pray that nobody comes back injured. And yeah, we've had this bizarre case where a lad who's been injured and not featured for us for three or four weeks, um, Jordan Henderson has gone to join England. So I don't get it. I, I mean, one of my mates tried to justify it that we've. We've gone to, you know, let him get some game time and whatever. But I think, personally, I'd rather have the security of your player within your own confinement. And if you want to give him game time, I'm sure we could have got a behind closed doors friendly or something with, you know, Tramia or, you know, any other local team in the North West who probably wanted to play. I know the, the championship doesn't take place. So, you know, the likes of Blackburn and Burnley could have offered us a, an 11 aside and given the likes of Henderson and any other lads game time. I just think it's a risk that we've let him go, but so be it. It's not our decision at the end of the day and we just hope he comes back unscathed. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny one. I know years ago, um, UEFA or FIFA or one of, the, one of those really clamped down on clubs um, preventing players from leaving and there's all kinds of rules in place now that if you, you, you've got to let your players leave by so many days before a match and the you can't have them play again for so long after and all all these different reels. But 
And I think, I mean, I kind of blame it on Ryan Gaith because he was always getting injured for Wales. Mysteriously would pick up an injury just before an international break and he'd be mysteriously recovered afterwards. But I do sometimes think with us, like, if they, if we'd have said to England, look, look, Jordan's not fully fit, you know, he's, he's all right, but he's not fully fit. He still needs a bit of work. I mean, would they send someone out to come and check on him? Would they actually come and send a doctor out and say, you know, let's just let's just test how fit you are. I, I just can't see it. And you'd like to think, though, that especially though we're not a patriotic, patriotic city by any stretch of the imagination, you would think the English FA would think of English clubs and think, right, how can we work with these? Because, you know, I'd be tempted if we had a player that was in the England setup to get an operation butts in for when it's the World Cup. You know what I mean? Just so that... If we've got to find a time to get something done when you've got one of these niggles, you do it during the World Cup so that they miss that rather than your games. But if you're working together with them, then maybe you won't do that. Maybe you'll look at it. And it's just one of those things. Another one I saw today was, um, was Trent tweeting a picture of himself in the England kit. I mean, it's probably, um, almost like a contractual thing that he's got to tweet it because it's that lovely new red England kit. But I think he said something like Heart of a Lion or something as he's, the text to go with the tweet. But then I saw some people saying, oh, the Scousers won't be happy with that. But as someone replied to them, we're not that bothered. If he's happy doing it and he's enjoying it, we don't sort of say you can't do it. We're not ashamed of him going playing for England. The only thing we ask is that he doesn't go and do... Well, he tries to avoid getting injured for England. That's the kind of thing, isn't it? And and by all means, if you want to have a go at him as an England player, we'll stick up for him as a Liverpool player. But... We don't sit here and think, oh no, we don't want you to go and play for England. We, it's up to you. And as, and as, um, as a professional footballer, then having that chance to play in those World Cups is maybe, you know, maybe a, a good thing to aim for as a player. So why would we have a go at him for doing it? Yeah. And like you feel, does he, he may play game time, but he's no, by no means a starter for England because, you know, that Wally who's in charge doesn't really know what he's doing. And, <laughs> You know, the biggest contradictory in the world that he comes out and said he pick players on merit, and you know you've got Harry Kane, eh, Harry Kane, Harry Maguire, sorry, and Luke Shaw <laughs> or whatever getting calls up, or you know England players who aren't even playing for the club, and you've got other players who are playing regular game time, performing at higher levels. But if you play for, in quotation marks, you know one of the big clubs, you are more than likely to keep your England place. Um. You know, if Trent wants to play for England, that's the country of his birth. It's the biggest honour, as they say, probably in terms of being honoured for what you are as a footballer to represent your country because only so many people can do that. So, yeah, in that respect, it it is a really big thing for players. Um, But if he doesn't play, I think deep down, whatever, a bit more, yeah, well, at least he's not going to get run the risk of getting a, an injury within game time. Obviously, there's always injuries that can happen in training. And we had that mysterious one with Joe Gomez and allegedly Raheem Sterling um, that put Gomez out for, mm. for a while. Um, but, you know, international football is one of the things. And again, I think you'll reference it to the World Cup. What we do is, I think because we're not overly patriotic in, in terms of our country, if the Dutch team are playing, you're always going to keep an eye on them because, well, obviously, for Virgil and you know the, the Dutch team, you know, tend to be an entertaining watch. And obviously, you've got the, the Brazilian lads, you've got Nunes with Uruguay, um, 
Colombia and Egypt are going the World Cup, so Diaz and Salah won't be there, which you know could be a blessing for us come later on in the season, where we might have those two lads fresh, as you said, with the you know potential for any injury operations or any minor niggles that might need fixing. Yeah, why wouldn't you pencil it in if the player isn't being selected for the country on a regular basis? So if it was, you know, Trent, for example, and he needed some minor operation, well, you know, why wouldn't you say, well, look, you're going to go there and you might get a game, a dead rubber, or you might get the odd 25 minutes here and there, or tell you what, we'll fix this little niggly problem you've got and you'll be fine for the rest of the year or, you know, it'll have a long-term effect on your career, then then why wouldn't you? <laughs> you know, like, so... Yeah. It's one of the things, like, people always say, it's like, slate the likes of Jamie Carragher who retired from international football early and he was in an era of elite centre-half. So, you know, his England caps were always going to be limited in terms of, you know, being a first choice given, obviously, the likes of Rio Ferdinand, uh, Saul Campbell, End of the season, end of his career, sort of. As Carragher was coming through, and you got Ledley King, was always in the England squad, regardless of whatever his knees were doing. John Terry, <laughs> so you know, Carragher took the decision to prolong his club career by giving off the international career. And I'm sure, looking back, it's probably something that he doesn't really regret too much because you know Jamie Vardy is another one. I know he's not been great shakes this year, but if it prolongs your club career by having three or four times a year where you can, you know, go and get yourself on a beach for five, six days and recharge your batteries, then then why wouldn't you do it? Because at the end of the day, that's what pays you your wages and, you know, you, you probably get more overall satisfaction, I would say, from playing club football than, you know, I think it's an honour on thing to play for your country, but job satisfaction and you know, your day-to-day is your, is your club. But that's just, you know, an opinion of probably myself and a lot of people around this part of the world. But then, you know, we ask people 100 miles down the road, they'll probably have a stark different opinion to that. Yeah, we do. I mean, we. It's, I think the other thing you get a lot is, like, we're, we're watching World Cups and stuff, but we've all kind of, adopt, we'll all sort of adopt a country or maybe sort of look at your heritage. But I, I had... I think one of the last international football shirts I bought was actually an island top because of slight Irish heritage. And, you know, whatever World Cup that was in at the time, because it's been a while since I bought an international top. But that that's the kind of thing, you know, that's the kind of thing that you do here, I reckon. And at the moment, some of those adopted sides you might be looking at, um, is a country we might, we might have, like, a lot of our lot would have perhaps adopted a few years back, but maybe again, but... I don't know. It's once again Mr. Darwin Nunes, isn't it? He's, um, he plays for Uruguay, you know, which reminds us of Suarez and how much we loved him at the time. But of course, because he's had a bit of a up and down starts of the season, the way Liverpool have had, he's had that sending off. So getting the suspensions. And of course, there was all that sort of some ridiculous stuff. Like he was really under the microscope in pre-season that he missed a sitter in pre-season when you know, he's still on the beach, you know, he's not even got, he's still in his swimming costume kind of thing, he's not, that's how much on the beach he still is, and there were people really over-analysing that, but that's kind of how football goes in the summer when there's no football, and maybe, maybe that's what we're going to do a bit now in this break, but it's, 
it's continuing, isn't it? You were saying you'd seen something that I'd like you to explain it that, that just shows this kind of obsession with him and trying to make out is really bad. He's getting, getting laughable now. And I think, I suppose the thing about it is though, the best way for him to answer it is on the pitch and that they'll all have to shut up then, won't they? Yeah. Well, I think it, the first thing come out that he joined up with the Uruguay squad earlier, like there was an issue that he had done that. I mean, Liverpool had given the players extra time off because obviously the game, against mm-hmm. Chelsea didn't take place last weekend and if anyone follows Liverpool players on social media by the looks of it Bobby Firmino was in Disneyland with his kids and his missus so <laughs> you know that's what time off's for and then you've got Nunes going to join up with Uruguay early probably you know wants to get you know, some hard yards in and whatever and impress the manager I don't know what the Uruguay setup is but I would imagine Cavani and Suarez are still knocking about and possibly first on the team sheet because the World Cup's coming up and it'll be their last hurrah for those two lads. Yeah. I don't know. I, I honestly don't follow international football, especially South American, to, to be that in the know about who plays and who doesn't. But yeah, there was a clip doing the rounds yesterday, I think it was. You know, he's, he sort of has a a challenge with a guy on the, t- on the, side, on the sideline, wins the ball and then from the edge of the box, it's it, for me, it was probably a cross towards the back post and you could see a fella in the same colour bib making a run, but he's overhit the cross and it sort of goes out somewhere probably between the 6-yard and 12-yard line on the on the byline um, from the penalty box. So, you know, well wide of the goal and nowhere near the fella he was in the box, but, you know, people were touting it down as he was trying to bend one in from the edge of the box and you know, he's been laughed at it for, for, you know, trying something in training and that's what training's for. Training's for making mistakes and, you know, he, he was only probably trying to find a teammate, didn't find him, but then there's another clip going round of Nunes is on the score sheet because he tapped one in in training from like eight yards. Like, this hypercritical analysis of one player is a bit mental, I think. You know, the, the pressure's on him, like you said, of the start of the season he had it wasn't ideal but you know we're not doing the lad any favours and you know I think if we were allowing him the time and space to get get his head down and knuckle down then I think you know we'll we'll eventually reap the rewards it's literally the middle of September we've played about nine or ten games and from which he's featured in four it's it's just crazy stuff like you, you hark back to the likes of Fabinho and Robertson who we probably didn't see rolled out until like October when they joined. So, yeah, you know, if if we were being honest with ourselves, really, if we were to look at them and say, well, let, let's judge the lad in October, November and see how he's doing then, because that tends to be how Klopp players or Klopp signings of where like, you, you get the odd crazy one, like Diaz, who literally doesn't hit the ground run, he hits the ground sprinting. And they're just like freaks of nature who've come in and, and been awesome. But, you know, new country, new language, new teammates, new setup, new tactics, it's all got to be taken into effect. And that's when we'll judge a player. And, you know, years ago, you, you'll know yourself better than I will. Players come in and, you know, they had to earn the place rather than, you know, just be given another place and, and prove that they were, they were worthy. And, you know, we, I think, we don't spend that much money and not have a decent player there. So 
I think people just need to take stock and maybe we just, we do need football back on a regular basis to to distract us because while we haven't got it, then I think we are going all a bit stare crazy. Yeah, I mean he's twenty one as well, so it's not like he's some like old guy, and that's that's the other thing that that gets forgotten. If that was a twenty one year old scouser who just worked his way into the first team, there'd be more time given to him. There'd be no way that a twenty one year old scouser who'd worked his way, or even you know anyone anyone sort of even someone bought say. Uh, like Raheem Sterling was was brought in from another English club, and we've got other players like that. If one of these guys at twenty one was doing that in training, there wouldn't be clips being shared about it. And if there were, there wouldn't be any great fuss about it. There wouldn't be any any clamour to sort of assume it means something. The price tags is what has has made a difference to how people see him. But I think he's he's going to get his head down. I've seen quotes where. Apparently had a similar start when he when he joined Benfica. You know, a bit of a slow start, and he just apparently stuck his Instagram account on hold and just got his head down and started sorting things out. And this this is the kind of thing that, that happens in football now. And it's true when you're saying about other players as well in the past and you've not got a guaranteed start. I mean, a couple of examples that stick to mind. I'm and, not sure I understand. Sorry, Siri doesn't even understand. A couple <laughs> of things that stick to mind uh, that jump out at me. So when Liverpool signed Stan Collymore, now in the end, Collymore didn't quite work out. But we had some moments with him, and it was at a time when the, cl- the the club wasn't at its best either. But I can remember thinking that before the days of rotation, you always kind of had, and, and Liverpool pretty much always had two up front, whether it was a 3-5-2, 5-3-2, 4-4-2, pretty much always two up front. And Liverpool could choose from Rush, Collymore and Fowler. And I always remember thinking at the time that, that Collymore shouldn't be saying... Even if Colin, there, was, there were people saying that if Colin Moore got dropped for Russian Fowler, that it was a bad thing. In my opinion, at the time, we'd paid good money at the time for Colin Moore, but if his presence on the bench was making Russian Fowler play the best they possibly could, your money's been well spent, you know, and that's before you get into rotation. And another story that I remember, I'm not even sure if how true it is. It's one of those things that you kind of hear about locally and you start wondering years later, was it true? Was someone winding you up? But Liverpool were linked with Tim Flowers. Um, as a goalkeeper back when Bruce Grobelar was our goalkeeper and I think we played them around field and the story goes that Grobelar put a bouquet of flowers in the other goal with a card on it saying these are the only flowers coming to Anfield or something along those lines and whether it's true or not that's the kind of thing isn't it it's like you know he's saying to him before he even gets here you're not going to get in the team and you know it's that it's that kind of attitude and I think you're right any anyone who just assumes he's going to walk straight into the into the teams not really showing enough respect for the players we have got. I know we've lost one. He's gone to Germany. Um, we can argue whether it was the right time or not. People can have that argument if they want. But the, the fact is, he's gone. Now it's up to Darwin to prove himself and work his way into the team. And as you say, you know maybe by the time that World Cup's out of the way, we've had a bit of a run of games and a bit less of the stop starting us to things and and that you know. We'll get there, and I think at twenty-one. I mean, if I was doing at twenty-one, where he's doing, I'd be a very different person. I'm not sure what I was doing at twenty-one. I definitely wasn't on that kind of money, getting that kind of attention, having to live that way and have everything scrutinised that much. It, it would make you go crazy. So, um, and maybe now that he's with people in Uruguay, maybe there's people there he can confide in as well. And I think he'll do him good. I think he should go early, and I think I think that that's the way forward for him. You know, just. Just keep working on things, keep improving things. And I, we've seen so many good plays become brilliant, so many brilliant 
players become legends at Anfield, especially under Klopp. And I think that can still happen again. And you know what? If it doesn't, if it turns out to be a mistake in the end, well, everyone makes mistakes and it's how you react to them that matters. And as we've said so many times, Liverpool react well to, but Liverpool make mistakes, but they react well to them usually. But as it, as it is at the moment, we're in this sort of weird lull in between games. What um, what can we look forward to when everyone gets back, do you think? Do you think we're going to see Andy Robertson playing again all the time? Is, is Costa starting to take his place? Are we you know, are we going to rotate more once the games start coming again? Because there's going to be no time off, is there, once the games are back? No, I think it's some mental thing where we've got like nine games in 28 days or something like that across October. I, don't, I think it's a it's a bit of a mad one where we we come back in and the first game is against Brighton, surprisingly at three o'clock on the Saturday, which is always lovely. We don't really get many <laughs> of them these days. Um, but then if you just like you just look at the initial run, we've got uh, Brighton, let's say at home, and then uh, midweeks back with Champions League, home to Rangers, followed by a weekend trip to the Emirates, followed by an away trip to Rangers the week after followed by a home game to City. So, you know, just five games on the bounce there within two weeks. If that isn't enough to whet your appetite back for club football, then, you know, maybe club football isn't for you and maybe international boredom is. But, you know, it it continues then throughout the rest of October. Home to West Ham, a trip to Forest, which has got a nostalgic feel about it, followed by a trip to Ajax in the Champions League, um, a Leeds game which has got a bit of a question mark it says to be confirmed at the moment it's home on the Saturday um, so I don't know what the issue with that is and then we, we drop into November with our final Champions League game on the 1st against Napoli which hopefully all being well um, we'll be home and host and through into the next stage of the competition at that point but you know I think the initial excitement for me um is those two games against Rangers and obviously building up towards the Man City game because, you know, it's one of them games now as the fixtures come out to the start of the season. You you look for Everton, you look for United and then you look for City. I think that that's the sort of order I look in now. Yeah, yeah. But the, the games against Rangers have got that, you know, the media will love it, you know, the, the whole Battle of Britain thing given recent events in in the uh, British monarchy. Um, mm-hmm. There'll be a little bit of spice added to that one because of different um, approaches or outlooks on, on the monarchy for the two clubs. Um, and naturally, you know, Champions League, two very famous uh, grounds for atmosphere. There should be two good games regardless of, you know, all the stuff off the field. I know there's the sort of chasms apart in, in probably quality, um, but it will be hostile. And, you know, as we've seen, anything can happen in the Champions League at Anfield and anything can happen in Europe. But Ibrox, if you look at what they've done over the last couple of years, getting to the Europa League final and turning bigger, much bigger, better teams over at Ibrox. So that for me is, is sort of really to look forward to. Yeah, it's going to be interesting as well because I, I always think when you get English classes or, or British clashes in the in Europe that you've not got your Premier League referees taking part who, love them or hate them, kind of work how 
English football works. So they use English football reels where, you know, you know, the kind of thing I mean, where you can, the amount of fouls that get let go that shouldn't and, and the amount of days where you've got a referee, you would have been better off as a traffic warden measuring how far someone's parked from some double yellow lines with a ruler. They, you know, you get that kind of referee. They're just different in Europe and not necessarily good. They're just in bad in a different way. And I always think, you know, these, these, I mean, it's a derby. There's no other way to describe it. In, in, in European terms, this is a derby. This is an English city against the Scottish city, basically. It's, it's, it's got a lot riding on it. It's not just, not just for what it is itself in terms of the competition and the points in the group and all the rest of it. It's a massive game. And then you've got some referee coming along who probably doesn't understand just how much adrenaline's going to be flying around and all the rest of it. So there's, there's a lot to look forward to. A lot of, um, it's just an exciting thing, isn't it? And as you say, it's what it's what you watch football for. These are the nights that you remember, good and bad. You remember them, and you know, for everyone who has a bad night, there's someone else having a good night. It just feels like I don't know. All I can think of is like Graham Soon as being involved in this one for one or the other <laughs> sides, and it just being where is he going to plant his flag? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's exactly it. Um, yeah. It just feels like that. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. An interesting one for Kenny as well because I think I'm pretty sure Kenny was. I'm, I'm, I might be misquoting. I've got a feeling he was he was Rangers before he was Celtic, but obviously he's Liverpool with a bit of Celtic before. Now and the Rangers he's long forgotten. But um, be interesting to see how he reacts to it in the stands and whether we get to hear from him. But yeah, the, the thick and fast. I mean, those games you've just listed. I mean, starting off with Brighton as well. So I think we said on the last pod we dodged that sort of new manager thing that you can get with Chelsea because. They got Brighton's manager, and then the game was game was postponed, so we didn't have to face him in his first what would have been his first game. But then now you now you're playing Brighton, who maybe by then will have a new manager. But you know, if the philosophy at the club's still the same, they're not going to be an easy team to play, are they? I don't think. Anyway, you know, we just have to see. But um, I don't think they're going to be an easy team to play, and I think we've got to be on our guard in that game because it could easily be one of those. Hate to use the phrase, one of those banana skins. Yeah, I think this is the moment for a cheap plug for Dave and Carl's scouting pod because um, they've appointed Roberto de Serbi and I had to Google who he was. I didn't know who he was. <laughs> um, former Shakhtar Donetsk, obviously, given the situation in Ukraine, their football was sort of came to a grind and hold, although they are back in some competition. Um, football, I think Shakhtar are playing via Poland for the Champions League games and he used to manage Sassuolo and I I would have a look and say you know, I've heard of Sassuolo in Italy, I don't know much about them, they've had a couple of okay players from all accounts come through their ranks so you'd probably say that on a similar level, part of what Brighton are in the Premier League in terms of a smaller club who've got a few decent talents and maybe occasionally punch above the waist, but, you know, with a solid outfit in, in the top division. And Shakhtar, before, obviously, the, the situation that's happened there, sadly, are one of the couple of big teams within Ukraine. So, you know, he, he's coming probably with a decent pedigree and Brighton tend to be a club that do things properly on and off the field. Um, so, you know, you'd imagine they've done the due diligence and they've got the right guy in their eyes and, you know, if he can continue what uh, I know he said Harry Potter and Graham Potter, um, <laughs> what he's what he's done so far and what he's built, then then they are going to be a decent outfit. Um, there's a there's a lot to like about them. There's a lot of 
tardy young players coming through there. So it will be a, a you know a potential banana skin. I think the the, the relief we've probably got is it's at Anfield, um, yeah. and it's three o'clock. It's not half twelve. One of them dour early kickoffs after the international break, which if the term banana skin that's coming with a massive oil slick as well. Um, the yeah. half twelve early kickoff, especially if it was away from home. So I would hope and fancy that you know that the international break will have given a lot of people time to you know build up the anticipation for football because as I said those games coming up and you get into that game and the likelihood is coming off an international break going into a Champions League week and a heavy run of fixtures um, rotation will, will be a thing and you mentioned uh, just before about, about Costas and Andy Robertson for example that I, I don't see why Costas shouldn't be starting all, all things uh given that he's he's coming back from international football uh, fit and healthy. Um, the performance he put in against Ajax was spot on for me. Like He had a couple of moments mm. early on, but once he settled down, he was brilliant. And, you know, nobody's big enough, uh, too big to be scrutinised. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, Andy Robertson over the last 18 months has probably only put together four or five months of decent football. Um under his belt and there has been times where Costa's probably deserved more of an opportunity than he's got and if this one's come about through injury then I don't think he should be taken out of the team unless he he does underperform but what he gave in that Ajax game and not only that his, his dead ball delivery compared to Andy Robertson's is night and day like, I, I love Robbo as a player but he cannot deliver a decent corner or if he does it's 1 in 20 and Costas just seems to put so many threatening dead balls in. Yeah. We, we've got a big, we've got a big side, and you know the goal eventually did come at Ajax from a corner. But I think we must, we must have won about seven or eight corners, like where the ball went into the box, and we were putting our heads on it. Virgil had two or three attempts on target, and you know if we're looking for ways to to get back to a winning um, formula, then you know. Why wouldn't you use the weapons you've got in, in having big players in our team and a man who can deliver a set piece like he can? So, yeah, I, there's there's lots of questions in terms of who who will line up and who will be available. But I think that one for me is one where the lad in form should be keeping the shirts. Yeah, I mean that's the thing we're saying about the fitness as well. We need we need all the players who are fit now to stay fit, but then. I'm hoping this bit of a, a gap gives a chance for some of those other lads just to get the fitness sorted out a little bit and get a bit closer to being in contention. You want you want Klopp to have problems, you know that that is not a horrible problem to have, is it? Who do you pick at left back? He's not got the same sort of problems throughout the rest of the pitch at the moment, but hopefully by the time everyone comes back, you know by the time the football gets back again, the real football that first of October that will be. We'll, we'll see some real choices for him. Just um, another thing I saw yesterday, um, which kind of blasts from the past again, is Charlie Adam announcing his retirement from football. Um, I've never known, well, uh, the, this is an exaggeration to say, I've never known such a divisive player, but that player, I mean, like, he just seemed to be like chalk and cheese to people. The amount of people who loved him, whatever he did, and the amount of people who just hated him, um, it was unreal. I mean, he was just... He wasn't a 10 out of 10 player or a 0 out of 10 player, but I don't know. It's sad that 
the thing I remember most about him I know what you're going to say. in the League Cup in 2012, yeah. Because <laughs> it went flying over my head. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I was on about row 30 as well that day, and it sailed way over my head. Um, yeah, I mean, he's one of those players who, you know, he had a reputation um, as a gift of football. like, And I think it was the left foot thing, you know. Like, it's just one of them like, mysteries in football, like, Left-footed footballers are obviously less common than your right-footed. Yeah. And if you get a, a good left-footed football, it always looks just a little bit more elegant on the eye. Um, and he, he did have a reputation for a good set-piece um, and a decent strike on him. But I think that was that weird, dark period of Hodgson that we went under where you know we were signing players who... we. We were nowhere near Liverpool standard, but then the guy in charge was not Liverpool standard. So I suppose you get what you wish for in terms of having him in charge and giving him the keys to the kingdom and whatever. I think I think Kenny signed him, didn't he? But was it? I suppose I think so. Yeah, but I think the oh. trouble was he signed him into a squad that had been ravaged by Hodgson. So you know, ah, so see, it's all a bit of a mess. That like what was it, twenty eleven mm. to twenty thirteen time, something like that. Yeah. Um, so I. I Sorry, Roy, but you know you, you don't barely deserve an apology. <laughs> um, yeah, if it was Roy, it wouldn't have been Charlie Adam. It'd be some sort of like, yeah, let's not even go there. We can yeah. think of worse players, and it would have been one of them. Was it Poulsen he brought in or something like that? Yeah, um, Kincheski, yeah. Um, Joe Cole, and the likes. Because uh, <laughs> because Hodgson only lasted six months, but it felt like six years. That's what it was. I think like you, your mind was drained. Um, we were stuck with some football. of his players for six years, I think, weren't we? Yeah, the likes of Joe Cole giving a lucrative five-year deal or whatever it was. Yeah. And, you know, he couldn't pass wind at the time, never mind pass a ball. Um, well, he couldn't get his breath together quick enough to pass a wind. He was, <laughs> no. well, he, was, he was out of the game within about half an hour on his debut. Really. He couldn't yeah. lunge himself into an Arsenal player. But um, as the song goes, those were not the days, my friend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, you know... He had a, a decent career. I think, you know, the the majority of people remember him for his time at Stoke. And I think that, in the nicest way possible, sums up the type of player he was. Like, that was his level. Um, you know, Stoke were mainstays in the Premier League for about seven or eight years. And he was there for the majority. The, the latter years, if anyone's seen any pictures or clips of him, you know, playing in Redden or Dundee, and I think he had done a little spell at St Mirren as well. Um, he looked like a Sunday league footballer who'd just been out on the tiles all night and had the kebab about six hours earlier, got up and splashed some water on his face and went, I'm ready to play now. Um, yeah. And calling it a day was probably about two years overdue. But, you know, it, it's a sign of time because you, myself especially, growing up and seeing these players you know, through their careers and now they're finished. And, you know, it, it just shows how short a footballer's career is, I suppose. And, you know, yeah. harps back to the to the, the old saying of, like, you've, you've got to enjoy it while it lasts sort of thing. And, you know, I think that's pretty prevalent, especially in the, the times that we're going through, not only on football, but in, in what's going on around us. Yeah, I think as well, the other thing about the sign of the times is, I mean, 2012 was that was that League Cup um penalty that still hasn't landed 10 years on 
they don't sound like the kind of players that we will be looking at now. You know, and that that's not not even having a go at Charlie Adam on that, but it feels like we finally got to a point where um, I always kind of sort of said like if you, if if players were in catalogues like you know like you you go in a like an Argos catalog or whatever, if people still remember such things, you know, the, the catalog that we're looking in, we were always at that time looking in the wrong catalog. We were looking in the cheapo catalog, the bargain catalog, the home and bargain catalog, if you like. But now we're looking in the, the glossy ones, aren't we? We're looking in the glossier publications. We're not necessarily falling for, I mean, maybe some people want it. We're not in the totally glossy publications that are like, you know, individually handcrafted or something but we're looking in the right place i think now the players we're looking at seem to be much much higher quality and you can mock signings if you want but we we are making efforts i think most of the time looking for the, the top ones unless we're stuck unless we're in a hurry unless there's an emergency like we had with the defenders during that that covid season maybe a little bit in this transfer window right at the end but on the whole we're looking much higher quality aren't we yeah and i think even if, if we take it to this season, obviously we brought in Arthur and that's what we're going to stick with rather than the continental pronunciation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he's been knocked as well by some sort of, you know, this crazy media frenzied world that we live in because he turned out for the under-21s twice within about five days or four days this week and his latest appearance was on Tuesday night against Rochdale and the uh, I don't know, it's Papa John's, but I'll always call it the Johnson's Paint Trophy because that's what it was years ago. Um, right, yeah. The EFL trophy thing or whatever. Um, so, obviously, the top-end clubs these days, for those people who don't know, uh, from the Premier League can submit an under-21 side to take part in the trophy if they wish. Um, yeah. And, you know, the idea, obviously, is to, to allow these younger players at the bigger clubs um, opportunities to play competitive uh, football at a higher level. Obviously, the League One, the two teams who take part in, in the competition rather than, you know, playing against those in your own age group. But you can feature a nominal amount of players over the, the 21 age bracket. Um, so, Arthur put himself out there and I think he got 60-odd minutes under his belt and the most bizarre change that I think you'll ever see in, in Liverpool time, seeing Arthur subbed off in a weird trophy for lower league clubs for 33-year-old Chase Bearden, um, <laughs> who looks like he's just left the sunbeds behind and, you know, rocked up for the Liverpool gig. But, you know, the, the lad has reportedly hired a physio and hired a nutritionist and a personal trainer and whatever, and people are knocking him, saying, like, you know, why why would he be doing all that? Like, what state is he in? Well, the state he's in is he was, he was signed late, and he's way behind in terms of the fitness levels required at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. But instead of sitting on his haunches and, you know, letting it go day by day, he's, he's putting the extra miles in and he really wants to, to salvage his career. And I think that's to be to be credited. And, you know, if he, if he wants to make his Liverpool career as long as it may be, whether it's a few months or a few years, he's certainly putting all the, the eggs in the basket of trying to make it last a few years rather than a few months. And, you know, hopefully, as you said before, in terms of October time and these games coming thick and fast and having players available back from injury and so on, if Arthur is going to be a viable option for us, well, he's certainly putting the effort in to look like he wants to be yeah. there and, and try. And I think that's to be commended, really. I can't think of anything bad to say about the lad. And 
yeah, I it it, it was just one of the mad things where Rochdale away, he probably never heard of Rochdale in his life, and he's he's rocked up there on a Tuesday <laughs> night, um, and then Jay Speeden comes on for him, a crazy turn of events, but. I think I think the positives have to be taken that he got minutes in his legs and he's doing everything he can to be a viable option for us and hopefully we will see him in a red shirt in, in those games in October because if they are as thick and fast as they are looking like then we're gonna need every option we've got in the field because yeah, it's 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 been it's been sparse and he's a Brazil international at some point in his career. I know you've got players who've probably had a couple of caps for Brazil, but you know, you don't play for Barcelona, Juventus and Brazil if you know you're not half decent. So I think he is one of the ones out of the, the top end catalogues rather than the, the bargain basement bins like you were saying. Yeah, yeah. And I think I I love the idea that you're doing stuff over and above what what you're expected to do because I think you can imagine like I mean you, you sort of hear about other players coming in and they're sitting around and then they're, they're photographed walking around the Albert Dock or something and maybe you know, maybe they've had a wine with a lunch or something on the day off and then before you know it there's loads of negative connotations coming from that like you know I mean I won't even name players but there's some players who instantly attract that kind of attention certainly in Liverpool's past and all of a sudden they're, they're branded as having drink problems or something and all they did was have a glass of wine with the lunch with the with their other half or whatever like anybody else might do on a day off but I think it's it's not a job, it's it's a career, it's more than a career, it's it's a dream career to be a footballer. And I think if you've got players who are willing to put the extra effort in that, that's amazing. My job, um, the stuff I do, there's times when I think, you know, when I sort of changed and different things, you know, that I was doing, then I'll do things on my own time to get myself better at it. Not because I'm sort of you know, wanting you know, because I've, I think I'm bad. I just want to get better at it. So when I'm in, in on that day, I'm prepared for it. So it kinda because that helps me that's an investment and he's investing in himself isn't he? he's doing that he's he's obviously found out i mean i can't imagine what it's like but you hear players talk about coming to anfield and the way the fitness works here and really being totally shocked you know complete shock to the system and this is players who who have done keeping fit for a living for many years now suddenly hitting this so I'm glad he is. He's finding the right way to do it for him. He's finding the best way to do it for him. He wants to live up to expectations. He wants a place in the squad. You know, and as we said earlier on about no automatic place, you've got to fight for it. What a way to fight for it. And yeah, Jay Sparing, that's another story, isn't it? But, you know, I'm sure it is, is, a, is a welcome addition around the training ground sort of thing with the youngsters and stuff. It's more on his coaching that we want him. But if they're in the rules, then, you know, have an older head around them to, to teach them a few bits and pieces because, Ideally, rather than shopping in the glossy brochures, what you want is for one or two of those other players who were out that night to start making a mark, to get some experience and confidence and, and, and build on what they've got and be one of our sort of new signings for the future in the side coming forward. Because no matter how much money you've got, it's good if you can save a little bit and not sort of spend it all on signings that you don't need to. Cause then when the time comes, you've got more of it. Um, it wouldn't be a scout of Tommy's without a quick mention of Everton, would it? And I saw a headline in the Echo that Frank Lampard's task made clear at Everton as club looked to recover £13 million blow. And it's down to them getting less money off the broadcast in- income because there's so much of the money from the TV deals that all the clubs get. So there's 20 clubs, they divide you by 20, give or take anything that goes out in parachute payments. But on the whole, 20 clubs all get the same. But then there's also... What is actually prize money, I think it's down as prize money. So the higher up the table you finish, 
the more money you get. So Manchester City apparently from for the merit payment got forty one point two million, but there's a bit of a disgruntled feeling in this Echo article written from the blue side that they only got ten million, so they got a quarter. But you know, if they're relying on T V money, then they need to get higher up the table. You know, they can't be sad at finishing sixteenth. And I would imagine that there's definitely more money comes your way for how many appearances you get on TV for, certainly on the domestic rights. I mean, they probably got a couple of games on TV last season that they wouldn't have got um, if they hadn't been in the relegation zone. And, I mean, Goodison was full for those games as well. You know, I mean, relegation is not necessarily... Sorry, skirt, you know, flirting with relegation is not necessarily a bad thing for them. So I'm not sure why this 13 million suddenly a blow other than a kind of... Almost like the line's coming out of the club that there's going to be no money to spend and those um, spendthrift days are gone. Yeah, I suppose, you know, it, it goes two ways. If if you play good football, you'll be on television because you'll be entertaining to watch. And yeah. if you play good football, you'll probably be higher up the table. Therefore, you'll be rewarded financially for finishing in a higher position. So, you know, if you're bad at football, which Everton are and were last season, then... <laughs> You know why should you be rewarded for being bad? Like it, it doesn't make sense if you, if you're that bad at, you know, entertaining things and your own crowd are booing you on a regular basis, then you know why should you be rewarded financially for that? Like surely that's that's not how it works. And as you said, they were probably in games, you know, on television because you know they, they were nearly going down, but they never yeah. never quite. Um, and, you know, even this season, I think, I don't think they've scored two goals in a game yet this season. Um, they've lost lost two, drawn four on the bounce, then they won one um, last weekend against West Ham in the Davy Moyes derby, 1-0. <laughs> so, you know, they've not, they've not scored two goals, I don't think, in a game. I could be wrong by that, but I don't, as much as we do talk about them and laugh at them, I don't pay too much into detail and the fact that I've not been in work for a few weeks who blue nose mates who I can usually have a laugh and joke with and laugh at um, I've not seen so you know I don't know the ins and outs of what's going on um, but if you're averaging a goal a game or 0.5 or less or whatever it is in the XG markets then you know why would Sky be knocking on your door saying we, we want to put you on television this week because you know that one goal again that you might score is really worth that extra few million quid in your coffers. And, you know, instead we could just put Nottingham Forest on. You've just bought a whole new squad and more and have the potential to finish game 6-4 or something like that because they haven't got a clue what they're doing. But, you know, at least there's goals and that's the name of the game. It's in sort of broadcasting rights. If, if it's entertaining, then, you know, people are going to watch and, you know, it, it all dominoes effect into another. But if if they are towing the line at the skint again because they're building the shiny new stadium in the sandpit on the dock, and you know, I did see a, an article the other day that Everton Stadium has been picked over Anfield for for the potential Euro twenty twenty eight bid. I think it is or twenty thirty. I don't know which way round. Um, I think it's twenty thirty because way the World Cups for could be wrong. 2028, 20, 2030, 20, either way, I digress. Um, Anfield and Old Trafford have been overlooked, but Everton's shiny new stadium has been picked, and that's a, that just shows what it what it's worth and how good it could be 
and how big Everton are. Well, if you look deeper into the facts, MK Dons has been selected as a potential venue. So, <laughs> what does that tell you, really? Like, you know, the Emirates was overlooked ahead of the the Euro bid, but Tottenham's was taken into account because it's slightly newer. I think that's all the sort of looking at it's it's regional. So if if they're picking one from Merseyside, then they're picking Everton's fine, so be it. Our pitch doesn't get teared up. We'll have big concerts on our ground anyway. That's um, the thing, isn't it though? Like they, they they don't just like the, the people of these organisers don't just suddenly decide we're gonna borrow that ground and we're gonna borrow this ground. They talk to the people who own the grounds and see how the land lies before they even say anything. Yeah. And I bet they weren't offering the money for Liverpool. Liverpool are thinking, nah, we can make more money putting whoever the Dicks you on. know, putting pink on again or whoever, but rolling stones, whatever. Um like you're right, you're right. Not only that, but I think like the logistics as well as well of it. Like obviously I said the the regional aspect you've got to have uh stadiums for each area, but let let's be honest and call a spade a spade. Everton's ground is probably more logistically accessible when it is eventually built. It's it's on the docks, it's not too far from the city centre and one would imagine there's gonna be some sort of tram or train link connecting the very heart of city centre all of you know the one mile down the dock road that it is for those who have got an idea of how the, the city centre is uh, set up in terms of getting to Anfield anyone who's been to Anfield it, it can be a bit of a pain in terms of where we are situated for public transport access so you know stuff like that is taken into account I'm sure like the Etihad I think was, was suggested from Manchester because it's more accessible Similar thing, yeah. than Old Trafford. So, you know, it, it it's no big thing, but, you know, let them have their moments in the sun or in the rain as it is today because it's a torrential downpour out there. But <laughs> if, if that's what gives them their kicks and the buzz that, you know, their stadium that might be potentially picked for the Euros, then, then so be it. And then, you know, there might be an occasion in that time if the Euros does get awarded to us that there could be a game where you've actually gone to visit that stadium for because other than that why would you want to go to whatever Everton are producing um, there might actually be football of a European standard at that ground because I can't imagine it's going to be there any other time in the future No, no the only time you go to that I don't know what they're going to call it New Goodies and whatever you want to call it is You'll watch if they put gigs on. There might be a good gig there. If they've got, they won't be playing in Europe, I don't think. So maybe there'll be a friendly they can organise internationals. I know when it was the Women's World Cup in the summer, I thought it was funny that obviously women's football rightly is starting to get more of a profile now, and more people are watching it. And I think you know there's a long way from parity between the men's and the women's games, but there is improving. But clearly, when they were planning the Women's World Cup, they didn't realise how popular it was going to be with some of the stadiums they picked. But I thought it was funny that they picked, um, I'm trying to remember what which ones it was now, but I know they picked the Manchester City's kind of secondary ground, the sort of training ground that they have for the for the young ones. They picked a, a stadium in Lee, which I think's only got um, sort of halfway between Liverpool and Manchester, and it's only got seats 
on three of the four sides or something like that. You know, it's not a big stadium. But I can just remember in the literature about it, when they were sort of saying where the venues were, they were trying to make out these big city names and they wanted to distinguish between them. So Manchester City's other ground was, was down as Manchester, but Old Trafford was down as um, Stretford or something like that. It wasn't down as Manchester, which I just thought was uh, was funny at the time because they always hated us saying that they weren't from Manchester, but they don't seem to bother us anymore, which... I think it's a good thing. I think it shows how much we're getting on. But there was a time when the Manx could really get under our skin, and I just don't don't feel that now. So maybe that's something for a future podcast. That are the Manx getting us under our skin as much as they used to? Um, I don't think so. Are we still getting under Blue Nose's skin as much as we used to? I think Always. so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that'll ever go change. away. And I think the derby the other week was, you know, a classic example of that. Like. You know, it weren't the greatest derby, but you know, seeing Connor Cody, that lifelong red, going absolutely mental when he scored and was eventually ruled out. <laughs> like, I think that angered Everton fans more than the joy they probably would have got had Cody of a lot or the goal being allowed to stand. The fact that yeah, it was the reaction from him, the ex Liverpool player, and then you know. The RVAR because Liverpool favour VAR, even though the decision was clear as day that it was offside. Yeah. Just angered them even more. And that was all they could end up talking and thinking about. But yeah, I think that that's one thing that'll that'll never change. Players come and go, teams change, managers come and go, but being better and laughing at Everton is something that'll always remain the same. And you know, there might be an odd occasion where they can have, you know, 15 minutes of fame and glory but you know we revert to type and we will always be the big fish in the city yeah you can tell i mean you can tell when you're talking to an evertonian because like you get like, say you, you you overhear some liverpool fans reminiscing in the pub or on the bus or whatever about some game gone by they're talking about this great goal or or this this wonderful cross or the excitement of winning this trophy or something like that whereas when you wear evertonians it's always about some Astrid referee that's done some evil things, some linesman, some refereeing decision. And it's always, they always reminisce about the negatives. They never reminisce about positives. Their positives are getting something over on us, like a nil-nil. You know, that's their positives. Or us, us losing and they've had a draw or something like that. Like, you know, they, they probably would have spun it this weekend that, you know, wow, well, how did you get on this week? Well, we didn't play, but Everton won. Yeah, yeah. We, we didn't play, so therefore it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter, but you know the fact that they've picked up their first win of the season six games in or seven games in, and you know they're still below us, and we didn't play. Um, they'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll they'll still spin it as you know they've had a, they've had a better week than us. But yeah, that that that's the sort of level of of people you're working with for those people who are in and around the city or are in regular contact with the blue nose. That's the sort of stuff that you you deal with on a on a daily basis. So, you know, actually I can't wait for the international football to be over so you can get back to that because, yeah, you know, you don't really get that with international football. I think it, it is the sort of thing that the hiatus of of a break away from it. But I think what we are now is we're, we're on the cusp of a, of a crazy period. And I think, you know, those people who are listening on Anfield and next, we've, we've tried to fill your time over these last two and a half weeks of non-red action um, but once the games are back then he will come thick and fast and yeah I think we, we do aim to 
to keep this regular now we've got um a few things to talk about and i suppose you know as the games come they always create more talking points so we should be back in your ears as soon as we uh possibly can and if you are watching international football this weekend best of luck and you know if you aren't then find something useful to do with your time yeah, I agree. I mean, the, last weekend, all you could see was wall-to-wall coverage of the funeral. Now, this weekend, at least you can watch some kind of football, even if it's not great. And maybe there'll be a play for the future that we can see. Um, and you're right. I mean, football, we always say this. I've said it so many times. Football's the distraction that you have from the, from real life. Whatever's going on in real life, football's the thing that... It's better to be an odd about football than real life. It's better to be distracted from depressing aspects of real life by having a good time with football so there's no football on but we as as jay just said we're going to do our best whenever there isn't football we'll try and keep stuff coming out across the channel across the whole of anfield index so you've got something to listen to something to distract you from real life and if you're listening to certainly this podcast something to laugh about in blue probably so until next time thanks for listening we will be back soon and hopefully before liverpool play again and by then, maybe we'll have a better idea of who's fit and who's not fit and how we're going to line up for the next game. But there's loads coming, and we do apologise if we don't give them all the justice they deserve. But you know what? We'll do our best across Anfield Index, and keep listening. We'll see you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.